Well, good morning again. I was almost wondering if I should stop that worship or not. I was having a really good time there. God is so good, isn't he? I just wouldn't want to live life without him, you know? It's like, I, I don't want to forget what it was like to live without him because, you know, there's that sobering situation of realizing that and, and trying to remember what it was like versus afterwards. I don't want to forget what it was like before because it's so much better afterwards. doesn't mean that everything in life gets better, just life, period. The word life gets better when you have Christ. And so it's like, you know, people say, oh, it gets so hard when you become a Christian. It's like, you know what? It was hard before I became a Christian. Now I have God. And so, like, yeah, I'll take the latter. Thank you very much. He's the one that can walk us through and knows everything and, and can answer every question and has the answer for every question. Doesn't just wing it, knows it. So that is awesome. So, yes, we were in the parade yesterday. Um, we had a really great time and um, at the Cloverdale Parade. I got to tell you, we're there on the parade. We, we have a booth presence there all weekend long. Tomorrow, we are in a parade again at Fort Langham, which John probably mentioned, 11 o'clock. And so, great weekend for us. Um, another parade tomorrow. And I just got thinking, again, the preparation it takes to go into one of these parades. And we have one less carriage this year, but it's still just a ton, ton of prep. And if anybody's ever been involved in a parade before, or been involved in our parades, uh, you understand the prep that goes into it and the planning that goes into it. I was just thinking about the planning, you know, from what are we taking, which is lists that are a mile long, and, and uh, after that, we still seem to forget a thing or two. And uh, yesterday, not like it's important or anything, but halfway to the parade, I'm like, my hat. <laughs> the cowboy forgot his hat. And so I had a dirty old hat in one of the trucks, but uh, I had to call and get Sherry to meet Jan and Stace halfway back with uh, a clean hat for the parade. And so but just tons of planning goes in it. What do we need for the horses? Just the horses in general. Deanna and Quinn were, um, were here at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock? 5 o'clock, days there too. Starting the horses for the parade, getting them cleaned up, getting them bathed up. They had been practicing for weeks on YouTube videos on braiding in these uh, new roses they wanted to braid in, these blue and white roses and different things. And so I will have a picture of that next week. It was just spectacular. And so just the horses, who's going to be driving, the wagons, you know, i got to rent an extra trailer for the weekend so I can get all, everything there, the wagons, and on one trailer we have the hitch wagon, we have two bumper cars on the wagon, we have the ranger that follows behind to be our pooper scooper, that's on one of the trailers, and then we got another truck and trailer with the horses in it, and so it's quite an ordeal. How many youth are going to be coming out and handing out flyers, because they're part of our team, to get all of the flyers out? So how many trailers? What do I need to rent? What do we need to load? How many flyers are we taking? And so yesterday was, the numbers were down a bit at the parade, but we still handed out over 1,500 flyers on that parade. And then timing everything and putting everything together. Just horses, for example, never mind all the braiding and stuff, which is a huge work, but choosing which horses. And, and we had that down to the wire this week. Uh, we wanted to use June and Lucas, but Lucas got a bit sick over Christmas, uh, the winter time, and so he lost a bunch of weight, and we were trying to get his weight back up, and last-minute decision. No, nope, Lucas still doesn't look quite as good. Everybody's going to be taking pictures there. So we had to go and grab our other two horses, Tegan and Jackson. And so which horses are coming? Who's working? Who's cleaning? Hey for the wagons. Which harnesses are we using? Who's scooping the poop this weekend? And so Brandon and Jan were on pooper scooper duty on the ranger this weekend. And so all 
many things you have to think about because they don't think kindly when you leave a big pile of poop on the road when you're going down. On, and I'm talking about the horses, the horses. But cleaning the wagons, cleaning the trailers. When do we arrive? And that's just a few of the things that we have to do to get ready for this parade. And so I started thinking about how much work it takes and how much planning and prep it takes to go into this parade for us to arrive and do things well. And so I started thinking about what if we approached every day with a little more preparation? So we have this huge parade we're going to, but what is if as individuals, we approached every day with a little more planning in our life? What could we accomplish? Um, one of my favorite scripture is a proverb in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31. It says this, the horse is prepared for the day of battle but deliverance is of the Lord. You can just leave that up for a sec. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. And I have meditated this scripture many times over the years because oftentimes we fall into one ditch or the other. Oftentimes we just put it all on us and let's go, 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 go and make everything happen. And we really don't inquire of the Lord on what we should be doing. We're really not led by the Lord as much as we should be. We're going in a direction full speed, but probably, or sometimes at least the direction that God doesn't want us going. And we're trying really hard, but it's not really where God wants us to go. And so we're asking God to follow us and bless us in the direction we want to go, claiming the battle is the Lord's or when it may not be. Or sometimes it's the other way around where we're just like spooky Christians. And we're just like, if God's going to want to do it, it's just going to happen. And we don't really have to do anything about it. We just kind of just flow through the day. And if it's going to happen, it'll happen. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Both of those are incorrect. Both of them are incorrect and both of them are correct. The, can you put it back up, please? The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. And so we are to be led by God. God is the one that is going to provide the deliverance. But in his will for our life, in us just arriving on this earth and him giving us breath and legs and hands to be able to do something with, that both are very important, that we are supposed to be prepared constantly, but yes, the battle is the Lord's. But part of the battle being the Lord's is him wanting us to be prepared. Does that make sense? So the battle is the Lord's, but in his will is us being prepared. And so I started to think about this a lot and, and what would life be like if we were just a little bit more prepared? What could we accomplish if we were just a little bit more focused, if we were a little bit more organized, or if we were a little bit more prayed up, right? What could we accomplish if we, in our morning, started our day talking with God and being in tune with God? That's part of the preparation, finding out the will of God for our lives, finding out the gifts and the talents that he's put on the inside of us and developing and preparing those. How much more could we accomplish in life if we were just a little more focused, a little more organized, a little more prayed out? As a Christian, could we be a little more prepared, ready to answer what people are asking? Now, we don't have to be a theologians in the Bible, but just ready to answer simple questions that people want to know about life. You know, some of just the basic questions. If there's a God, why do all these terrible things happen? I get that all the time, right? And we don't have to be a theologian, but we do understand that the gospel says that we're living in a fallen world. And God has given human beings free choice, right? 
And so although God has everything in control, he doesn't control everything. You get that? Even though God has everything in control, he doesn't control everything. And so God's outcome will prevail, but in his foreknowledge and him being able to step outside of time and him knowing everything, he was able to make his plan come to his will and his fruition, even though people are going to make decisions and mistakes that are not part of his plan. Does that make sense? And so what if we just had some answers to that? You don't have to be a theologian. Just, you know what? We live in a fallen world. God didn't kill those people. God didn't make those bad things happen to you. We live in a world with free will and free choice, but we serve a God who's above all that. And if you give your life to him, he will work out everything for the good of him who's called according to his purpose. Right? We could be ready to answer a little more. The Bible tells us that we're to be seasoned with salt. You know, that people have lives and we're just to sprinkle salt on their lives just a little bit at a time. What if we were a little bit more prepared for that? What if we were a little more willing because we were prepared for that? You know, what if we woke up in the morning and because our day started out with God and we were a little more prayed up that every time you speak with God, usually God gets us to focus on people right? A lot of people think that if we talk to God, he's going to focus on all our problems. But no, when we talk to God, most of the time he gets us focusing on people and how to bless people and how to impact people and how to love people. So lots of times people are scared to talk to God because they think that he's just going to bring up all their failures. No, you talk to God and he just brings up people in love. And as we serve out God's will, those bad things fall off us anyways, because we're going after his truth and his will. But what if we just woke up with that a little bit more ready? Right? So I started thinking about a couple things, about preparation, about being prepared for life. Another thing I started to think about in the area of, of getting ready for a parade was joy in what we do. Right? I love getting ready for these parades. I love going for that. But what if we took that into everyday life? Not just being a little more prepared, but having a little more joy in our everyday life. Now that we've discussed choice, joy is a choice. We can choose to wake up and go, this is the day that you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice, right? David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David was telling his soul to bless the Lord, to change the attitude. So joy is a choice. You can wake up and choose to be joyful, to choose to look at things through the eyes of God or through the eyes of the fallen situations of the world. So joy and work, I love it. And for me, I've learned over time that the best relationships are developed through work. Anybody had the same experience as me? It's like you can go and try to make friends, but if you actually are working on a project together, you know, like I've had guys come down and spend a bunch of time with me in the town or, or I go and help somebody with a project. By the time you're done that project, there's such a camaraderie that goes on. And so we're always thinking about was work being a bad thing. I love to work. And I love it when I'm working alongside people for the most part. You find out if you're not going to work out either during work, that, you know, you go help somebody else. I don't think we're going to get along. But, you know, relationships develop when you have mutual goals, when you help each other out. And I think about these parades sometimes where people come and help out in the parade by the end of the day. You know what? They're just knowing each other better, getting along better. We've accomplished a mutual goal together. 
And that's in us. That's ingrained in us. You know, from the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, they were to tend the garden. They were to work together, right? And so to be able to accomplish things together, mutual goals, I think is, is, is so important. So to be able to take opportunities to help each other out, to thank people for their efforts and compliment people on a job well done builds relationships. And so that's a f- couple things I thought about in this parade was being prepared, being joyful in work, and then applying yourself to these situations, getting involved, you know? It's like I've heard people say before, I don't have any friends. And, you know, how many people have you been friendly to? Right? A lot of times people think, you know, just people should be coming and being my friend and helping me and sowing into my life. Well, how many people have you sowed into? You know? How many people have you blessed? But most of the time we get around people and we want to, because of our selfish desires from this fallen world, we want people to help us, whether it's emotionally, you know, we get into conversations and we're always talking about our problems and can you help me and can you pray for me? And this is what's going on in my life. But that's not being a very good friend. It's not. Being a good friend is finding out what's wrong with them and how can I pray for you and what can I do for your life and what is going on in your life. And when you become that person, you'll find the reciprocal comes very easy because that person will all want to be invested in your life and they'll want to pray for you because they don't want to lose you in their life and et cetera, et cetera. But if you're always the needy person, always the victim, what happens is you're not sowing seed. You're just trying to receive seed without sowing, trying to receive a harvest, I should say, without sowing. And so application, get involved. Get involved with things. Get involved with ministry. Get involved with people. Do something. Apply yourself. Put yourself in the middle of people and be a blessing to people. So those are the couple things that I thought about. So by the way, I'm getting ahead of myself. This sermon's called Parade Perspectives. If I look like I was on a rabbit trail, I'm not. We're sticking with the parades. What the parade taught me. Another thing the parade taught me was how unique people are. I think there's something like a thousand people in that parade, in the parade, not on the streets yesterday. And maybe that's why they had less people on the streets. They were all in the parade. I don't know, but there were still lots of people there, but there was a thousand people in the parade. Matter of fact, by the time we ended, we had to go down a different street because where we started, people hadn't even begun the parade yet while we were ending. And it was a long parade. And so I thought about so many different people and everybody having a unique, different float with a unique message. They're from different businesses or different organizations or different situations. And everybody was just so unique, trying to reflect on their float or the, whatever they had in the parade, trying to reflect on who they were. And I thought, what a neat concept to look at it from a Christian perspective was all these unique people just trying to say who they are. And that's kind of like life, isn't it? And I thought, life is like that. We are so unique, and we wander through life just trying to say who we are. Because we are unique. We've been made unique. And so that's part of life. All from different walks of life. And we need to embrace that situation. We need to embrace God's wills and ways and his moral avenue. But as a unique individual, man, we're made so unique. We've got different fingerprints different DNA, and we're supposed to embrace that rather than try to repel that. I'm going to get into that next week. I kind of I wanted to discuss it today, but I, it was parade time. But there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible I want to discuss next week that is so cool. After Peter's conversation with Jesus after the resurrection, 
at the very end of the conversation, it's a really, really unique situation that takes place that I'm going to talk about next week. But it emphasizes uniqueness, different calls, and different giftings in life. And there were so many different entries, and I thought, what a great statement for us in life that we should embrace, that we are unique. And we are to approach the world in that way. Just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean we all look and act the same. As a matter of fact, you've met a lot of people. We're really different, but that's okay. We have the same message, but we are to give it in so many different avenues. And it took me a long time to figure that out. I knew from the year 2000 that I was called to preach the gospel and that I was called to, to be a part of, of bringing the gospel to God's kingdom. But it took me a long time to realize that that was wrapped in a really unique way of doing that. It took me a long time to realize that God was going to have a kids camp that was going to bring more people to Christ in a summer than I could dream of over several years. So being open to how God wants to use you with your unique giftings and your unique talents. You know, I've shared this many times, but I heard a preacher one time talk about a, a jockey who got saved, and he was, a, he was one of the top jockeys in the world. And um, after he got saved, felt the call of God to preach, and so he just quit riding horses, and he went in, and he went to Bible college, and he became a pastor, and he started a church, and uh, after a couple of years, he came back to this uh, pastor, he was a famous pastor, and said, listen, I've given my life for Christ. I've handed everything over to God, and I can't get anybody in my church. And you know what the pastor said to him? Get back on your horse. Get back on your horse. And so he went back to being a jockey and became famous again, and all of a sudden he had this huge influence to be able to share his life in the gospel. Right? And so people think that they're called of God and everything has to change. No, you need to just grow where you're planted. And so you are in a unique environment, in a unique sphere. And oftentimes it's like people at the pulpit are jealous of you because you have a unique sphere every day with people that don't know Christ on many occasions. Right? And so you're accountable for that sphere. You're not accountable for my sphere, and I'm not accountable for your sphere. You have got a unique sphere of people, and God has you there because you're a unique person able to reach those unique people. Right? Are you hanging there with me? Good. So it's good to be different. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 21 says this, But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he is pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So all that's saying is that we are the body of Christ. We're made very uniquely. Some are the eyes, some are the feet, some are the hands. And the hand can't say to the eye or the eye to the ear or the ear to the mouth that we have no need of you. It's all needed. We're just very different. And so we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to one another. So we should embrace and develop what God has made us to be. We should embrace others' giftings as well, rather than think they should change because they're not like us. We should learn from others, others that are unique from us because they're better at what they do, and we can always learn from that. That's why I love team sports so much. I grew up playing years and years of hockey and rugby, yeah, it's like if you were a one-man show, you don't last very long because it takes a whole team. And that's what I love about team sports is it takes the whole team to be good and to be a powerful unit. And so that's like the body of Christ. We need to embrace our gifts and talents at the same time, embrace others as well.
All right, I'm going to move on. So being prepared, embracing uniqueness. Another thing the parade taught me was to take advantage of moments. It's so cool, you're going down the road, and you're seeing a different person every time you walk a few feet. It's just continual, next person, next person, next person, next person. And I was sitting there, and I started to think, these are like just moments. Like, we're having so many moments. It's just like moment after moment after moment after moment after moment. And the Bible talks about this word, and it calls it kairos. It's these allotted moments in time. And in a parade, it's so easy to see because it's just one after another, after another, after another, after another. But in life, it might not be just like a parade, but it is just like a parade. You go from one moment to the next moment to the next moment. And if you get too caught up or too depressed about the last moment, you might not be able to embrace the next moment. It's like in the parade. Some people could be like, I don't like that float. Now, you know what? I'm in the wrong age to go to camp. But three more steps, we're in it again. All these kids are like, yeah, I'll see you this summer. Right? few more steps and some teens are like, well, it ain't for me. And I could dwell on that moment. Oh, it's depressing parade. No, another few steps. Wow. We got kids again. And that's like life. We get caught up in these moments where we don't think we're being effective for God or feeling depressed. Just take another couple steps. And God will allot you a new moment in time. You know, Ben's always fun to have on a parade wagon there because he's as loud as, you know, if anybody knows Ben, he's loud and proud and in charge. And so, but he is a hoot to have on the wagon. He's like, people in the balcony, he's yelling at them, are you having a good time? And he's just like a party on there. And so I'm watching these people though, they're like, and he like seeks out the ones that are not reacting and he gets them to react. And I thought, okay, not only do we step into a new moment, but in those moments, we have such God-given ability to affect the moment, right? And our lives are like that. We might move into the next moment and say, oh, it's just as bad as the last moment, but have you tested the water? Have you applied some things that God has given us? Have you shined your light? Have you applied some love? Have you tried to sow into somebody's life? Have you tried to encourage somebody? So the moment may not look any different until you apply what God has given you, until I apply what God has given us. So we move into the next moment, and all of a sudden, he's like, hey! and they're like, yeah, right? Some people are turning on embarrassment. They don't want to do it, but at least he finds out, right? We walk through life sometimes not finding out, just acting like nothing's going on, nothing's happening, and God's not doing anything in my life, and da-da-da. Have we tested the water? Have we applied the situation, right? And so it was wonderful. Kyle was a great example yesterday. Kyle came to me and says, my favorite moment of the parade was I went to give a flyer to some parents. And he says, the parent says, oh, we don't need one. We have horses. And Kyle says, but do you have bumper cars? (laughs) And they're like, give me a flyer. (laughs) And so it was like, cool, right? Changing the moment. Changing the moment. Jonathan and Jacob, they're the ones that attract the whole crowd. They're on the bumper cars behind us, hitting each other. And they're just, everybody's just shouting and hooting with them. And it was just awesome. And then another moment that happened yesterday is we, we didn't plan well enough and we didn't get enough kids to be in our wagon. And we, 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 we just kind of dropped the ball in that area. And so Jan went and scooped two girls that were there with their grandpa that didn't know us. Went, talked to the grandpa, didn't scoop. Don't, don't, we, didn't like, we didn't abduct two girls. Um, two girls went and talked to grandpa, got the phone number and everything. These two girls were all of a sudden in the wagon with us. And afterwards, they said, the younger girl said, this is the best time I've ever had in my entire life. 
And so it was so cool to be able to just change the moment. God gives us those moments. So I thought that was awesome. So that was another thing that I learned from the parade. We have these moments in time that we need to take advantage of. So the last thing that I learned about the parade was that, like I said earlier, when we were ending the parade, we had to go down the street before we started because while we were ending the parade, there was people still that hadn't even started the parade. And so this was kind of the biggest picture for me because it was the biggest picture of life for me. And I thought about this for a minute, and I thought, we're ending in the parade, but people are just starting. Life's going to go on without us, no matter what. It's going to go on. Whether we are alive, not doing anything, or doing something, or whether we pass away in a few years, life is just going to go on regardless. And it was such a picture as we were ending the parade that some people hadn't even started the parade. And that's going to be us. We're going to be here and gone. And we could be gone for a hundred years if Jesus doesn't return or even more in the glory of God, hundreds of years. And people might still just be starting this journey. And it's kind of a sobering moment on how big God is that we could be ending our parade and somebody hasn't even started yet. And so what really matters? Just simply one thing. How well did we do the parade? Right? Because when it's over, it's over. How well did we do the parade? How well did we embrace those moments? How did we run our race? Not how much money we we made, but how did we treat other people? How did we walk in the glory of God? How did we affect people on our parade route? That is called life. And I started to think about God's perspective. We were ending. I was seeing the next person start, but God overlooks the whole thing. He sees everybody that's parked and finished already that's ready to go home in their trucks. And he sees the people still getting ready to get on to the parade route. And he sees the beginning of the parade and the middle of the parade and the end of the parade. He sees the whole thing. He watches over this parade. And I started to think about God's perspective on the situation. He sees from beginning to end. And the thing that matters for us is how do we fit into the big picture? We often think it's just about us. And we get extremely selfish. Even when we're doing good things, we get extremely selfish. But the fact of the matter is, even though we're being our best and doing our best, we still have to come to the humble conclusion that we're still just one float in the parade. Just one float. And God has a much bigger picture than that. A much bigger perspective than that. And so what matters is how do we fit into his big picture? And the only way we can do that is by going to him and following his priorities. That's why even to do with how we're supposed to live morally, you know, that's such a big thing in, in, in even big fights in schools and different situations right now, how we're supposed to live our lives. And we get so selfish because we're stuck in the moment. We're just seeing our one float in the parade, Right? But God has a bigger picture. And so when he says for us to do something in this one float as we're moving along, we might not even understand it fully because he's got the whole parade, right? And when he asks us to maybe maybe speak to one person here and we're like, that didn't do anything. What do you mean it didn't do anything? He spoke to 12 floats behind and 50 floats behind and they're all going to talk to that person. And when the 61st float comes by, That's when those people are going to give their lives to Christ. But we think it didn't happen because it didn't happen with us. But we're just one float. 
And so being nice and speaking and living our lives like we should do and being an example for people is so important because we're just one float in the parade. And we will only know when this thing wraps up how we affected eternity, right? And so his priorities, things might not seem as important to us in the moment because we only see it from inside the parade. And God sees the whole thing unraveling. And so, at the end of the day, I'm left with one little line that concluded my whole thought process on my parade perspectives, and it's this. During that parade, what did we leave behind? And I'm not talking about any poop that we forgot to pick up. What did we leave behind that we may never know about until eternity? That one wave and smile to that kid that, you know, for some unknown reason, that wave and that smile or the accumulative wave of certain smiles and certain waves along the parade changed that kid's life forever. That one flower we stuck into the hand of that one kid that he might not even come to camp this year. You know, but maybe he put it up on his wall and didn't even know that we had sponsorships and wanted to go so bad and couldn't go, but it just was in the inside of him. And later in life, he hears about Loft Country and some kid, and he says, I always wanted to go to that thing. You need to go, and they come and get saved. We have no idea how God unfolds these parades. We just do what we need to do in the moment and leave as many flowers along the way as we can. And that's what life is like. We run this parade called life, and we leave as many flyers about the kingdom of God as we can behind as possible, you know, whether it is wrapped in a, just a smile, or whether it's wrapped in a, can I help you, or whether it's wrapped in whatever it looks like. But loving people on this earth and reaching out to them, whether it's, acting like a complete fool and going back and saying, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to act that way. Whatever it is that our parade, (laughs) you know, ends well and we just left behind as many things as we could have, many flyers about the kingdom as possible. So there it is. There's my parade. We got another one tomorrow. And I'm very convicted by this in my personal life. I really am. I'm very convicted by those few things that, man, we need to just, in life, have a better float going down the road, (laughs) right? We do. We do. A louder float, maybe. Maybe some for softer float. I don't know. But we need a better float going down the road in our life parade always. And uh, that's my conviction. So let's pray. Father God, I pray for each and every one of us, God, that is walking in this parade of life. God, all the people that we're going to pass along the way, God, I pray that you will help us be prepared, first of all. God, secondly, that we will embrace these moments, God. That we will realize that as we walk through life, that we have been given allotments of time, moments for the kingdom of God. That this life is so short, God, and we have a measured amount of moments that will run out one day. Help us to be faithful to those moments. God, help us to not be deceived by those moments that when things don't look good, that we just walk on anyways. No, God, help us to step out in what you've given us. Help us to be able to shed and share light into situations. Help us to love this world 
and to change the situation because of what you've given us, to change those moments, to redeem those moments. Help us to redeem those in the name of Jesus. God, help us to do that. Father, lastly, God, help us to understand that you have a much bigger picture of this situation and of this parade. God, that as long as we're just faithful to you, we may not see the outcome. We won't see the outcomes of everything you have planned that we're involved in. We'll never see it until the end, eternity, when you show us. God, so help us to be faithful on a day-to-day basis, even though we may not see the results. Help us to be faithful to that walk. Help us to have a beautiful, godly kingdom float going down the road of life. In the name of Jesus, amen. I just want to share one last thing. I just feel the Lord prompting me, um, really prompting my heart over this. Somebody needs to hear this. But you know what? Near the end of the parade, there's just a scattered few people. And I noticed even myself wanting to rush through that situation in the parade because we're almost done and really not applying, um, you know, the generosity of, of even the emotional generosity to those last few people because I just wanted to get. And I just, I'm just really sensing the Spirit of God say that, you know what? Sometimes there's people that in life, whether it's just a a season of life or you're getting to the end of your life feeling like, God, are you done with me? You know, those few people that set up there in that parade are just as valuable and deserve just as much of us as we got as any other time in that parade. And I know that was for somebody here that, that, that those moments are extremely valuable. Do not, do not, you know, quit seasoning and quit sharing and quit doing what you, what you're called to do because you think it's over. You get something out of that this morning?